This is Coda Radio, episode 289 for December 22nd-ish, 2017. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, like a man who just got back from fighting dragons, a little tattered, but ready for the show, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike! The software developers need to end... What? I'm sorry, that's... Did the, you know you're one of them? You you are... Uh... No, I get that, but I'm in denial, and I'm on a little <laughs> island somewhere. <laughs> you've, oh, you've already made preparations, I see. <laughs> is, like, is, like, Professor X on this island with you? Is it, like, what uh, I mean... Let's just say all the disappointed uh, heroes are on this island with me. I thought you'd yeah, be all it, happy, and I thought this would be a great day for you, you know? you uh, 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 Santa Trump gave you your big holiday gift. I thought you were going to be, like, all jazzed up. <laughs> You're, you're you're triggering me. I, I see what you're doing. I, I, did, I was just responding. We got a, We got a couple of people who wrote some pretty good responses. One of them's on the subreddit. Pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Uh, pretty pretty good. Yeah, can you jump into that if you want? No, let's it's okay. That. No, let's, no, let's do this. Uh, so this, what? Let's just let's pull back the curtain. Uh, look up the Komodo here for a second. What is going on? Is Mike and I have gotten together on a Friday. When uh, we really, have by uh, by no right, um, are ready to do the show again, but we just we just miss each other that much. No, actually, we're getting ready to record our shows for the holidays, and so as is per, per tradition, uh, Mr. Dominic is supposed to pour himself uh, a, a beverage, and I have myself a beverage, and we sit around and we do a couple of shows instead of just one. And by the second show, we're generally a little looser. So I feel like we should save it for the second show because I have myself. Um, I'm going to do a shot of London Dry Gin here. Uh, at some point during the show when you're talking. So I'll be I'll be ready. That'll be my holiday. Great. And I will be having coffee. I know. Although I did have a martini lunch. So Oh, good. Okay. So you, you pre showed a little bit. I like that. I pre showed, hey, yes. You know you know me. I uh I gotta read every tweet. You know, every automated and real tweet yeah, that I comes from Michael I Dominic. I don't do that anymore. Although I did learn from YouTube that I'm a Microsoft shill now. Oh really? Yes. Oh, is that a thing? I find that amazing sitting next to my MacBook and System76 laptop. Yeah, actually, <laughs> okay. I don't even really think I, – I mean I can't think of anyone in the popular media space that's a shill for Microsoft. Like Paul Thorat calls them on quite a bit of stuff. I think Paul Thorat right. just has he, a even, – Right. Even Microsoft followers are like – Yeah, like Mary Jo Foley. Again, same thing. Same thing. I think they're yeah. both very level-headed Microsoft analysis people who just have a deep understanding of how Microsoft works. And so sometimes they can give you a reason for something and people say, oh, you're being an apologist. What happened? What was the, what was the, um, what was the cause so of this uh, horrible claim? The the comment was on the uh, everybody needs a barb episode I think, mm. although it would make a lot more sense for the Windows Linux one right yeah the, the, yeah yeah right so what what, what bothers you more Azure. what bothers you more though Azure. oh yes yeah no. that is true what bothers you more Linux apologist Microsoft apologist or Apple apologist and do you think soon people will get labeled as Google and Amazon yeah probably they probably already are. Oh. 
They already do. Yeah. Like, I've just, I just never been labeled is, those is ones. Poop. True. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good example of an apologist, actually. Because <laughs> right. he's actually an apologist, right? <laughs> I mean, I do. You remember which is the uh, one of the last uh, Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies with oh, that yeah, weird-looking like Dutch dude? The, not, was that Goldeneye or uh, Never Never it was, Never it was Die? After or... Goldeneye, when he kills that ugly-looking dude and Die Another Day, like, or, I like Die the, I can't help it. I like the Brosnan Bonds. That was I my like, Bond. I like, like Pierce Brosnan. That was my Bond. You know, I mean, that's my age range. Yeah, they're, but they're it's mine too, right? Because we're. But there's the uh, line: "I'm just a professional doing a job." he gets shot in the face by the way but yeah that's it like i don't care like i don't get it i mean if a windows me computer did the job better i would be using that can i tell you that 2017 has been the biggest year of reckoning for me on this Um, oh go I didn't I didn't appreciate or psychologically have a complete understanding of the momentum that last put in my life where when I did Linux Action Show I needed to live Linux every single day just to get just to do the show I mean, that's just to get like content and to to have experiences to talk about and to to try new software like I was just I, there was no way around it you ran Linux every day and so it was always, it was Linux first, Linux first, and then oh god, if it can't be done with Linux, well, how the hell am I going to pull this off? What hack? What what compromise do I have to make? And then after I ended last, even though I'm still doing LUP and Linux Action News, which are solely Linux shows, um, I, I I started reevaluating everything on its actual merits, um, and I felt like all of a sudden I was way more in alignment with how the audience evaluates technology, like. A portion of them are open source and Linux only and nothing else will do. But the vast, vast majority, and that's why we have more people downloading on Windows than Linux and Mac, right? The vast majority of them uh, evaluate each thing on its technical merits and at what solution it provides to them. And um, I found myself throughout all of 2017 doing that every single time. Uh, you know, desktop, Linux, uh, applications, editing software, home automation stuff, everything had to now be um, better. Like it, it, being Linux and open source wasn't a qualifier enough anymore. It, it had to really compete on its own merits as a as a complete solution. And um, that has been a, a huge – it's like it's it's been a huge relief. It's been a huge um, shift for me. And it's been a – I don't know why, but it has been a – it has been a giant weight off my shoulders. It has been a huge weight. And the other thing that I really uh, am, am happy about is in just in spite of all of that, in, in this total reevaluation of everything I use, through all of it, I wound up back on Linux. I just wound up on 1604 and Unity 7. But I, I still – like I didn't, I didn't abandon the desktop. I, I – but now I'm like, well, shit, you know, like Windows 7 with uh, classic theme and when you go into like the performance settings and you can optimize for raw performance instead of the way it looks, it's inarguably the fastest operating system I've ever used in terms of application and window load time and close time and minimize and just like the UI speed can't be beat. Now, application load time, I think Windows 10 has it beat. But other than that, like it's just – for if you need to run proprietary Skype – there's no better operating system. And that's just the truth. 
it, it has the best sound. It has the best upstream vendor support. And it's when this is a Windows 7 machine that you and I are talking on, and it is a rock. It is a absolute rock. And while I have Skype that completely trashed my sound system on Linux recently, and I have one of my audio interfaces just com- just goes away, just completely disappears sometimes. Uh, if, uh, and it, it is just if you just listen to this week's Ask Noah, it was it sounds really weird because it's the same issue. He got hit with it, and it just hits us. And because it's on a machine that you're not listening to a direct feed, you have no idea until you're done that it's a problem, and it completely destroys an episode of a show. It's his least downloaded show because of that audio problem. And it's really frustrating because he does such hard work on that. And then one piece of equipment goes out. And then it turns out, oh, well, if I was running Windows, that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have lost that episode. Well, that changes everything. That changes everything. It's been a huge year for me, 2017, that way. I Mm -hmm. I mean, predominantly, I've remained on Linux. But for the first time in... Six, seven years, I have a Windows box in the studio again. One Windows box. You know, I've been having dreams, Chris. Uh, can I tell you about my dream? Yes, please. You know I love hearing about – actually, just really a quick sidebar. I sometimes – I don't I, – I, like, I get like baby panic attacks when my family tells me about their dreams. My, my fiancé, my kids. Like when I when they take 10 minutes of my day to tell me about a – Same. A, Oh, good. I feel like the worst person ever because they're so excited to tell me. And I, I I, have nearly an anxiety attack after about five minutes into it. Anyways, but I do want to hear about your dream. <laughs> well, because my dream, you know, is some sort of setup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth my time. <laughs> I'm wandering in an ice cold field. There's mountains. I'm freezing to death. Hmm. I'm looking at crash logs. Oh, boy. I'm stumbling, I'm falling, everything is just, you know, I'm, 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 there's tears running down my face. And then in the distance, I see movement atop a hill. Is it Ryan Sykes? Would pe- no. <laughs> <laughs> He's hanged on a tree somewhere as a traitor. Um, oh. I, I love you, Ryan. Just yeah. kidding. It, uh, I see what looks like some sort of cat on a hill as the snow starts to come down. Oh, okay. Telling me... No. You know, you know exactly where this is going, telling me that it wasn't always this hard. You will one day climb this Mount Sierra. You will one day overcome and be back to the home, the home of the leopard, dare I say, the snow leopard. Is this your long way of telling me you installed snow leopard on one of your systems? If I could get away with running snow leopard yeah. in production, that is all I would run. Yeah, that's the that's the Windows Seven advantage is you can still install it today, right? I mean, it's yeah, a, see, it's like a Mac tedious... is, mm, doesn't even run on the hardware. Good luck. Yeah, and if you look at the iMac Pro, I bet you with that T two chip in there, it will never that... go below the current like point release of High Sierra. It can never go beyond yeah. below that. So you can turn that off. And by the way, you can turn it off I... the encryption and the secure boot, but it's still the controller for the SSD. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's probably no driver in lower versions of macOS for that SSD controller. You can get the current version, but you can turn off the auto-update thing, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're, yeah, whatever the version of High Sierra is, that's your minimum viable Mac. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been feeling the same way, that, like, everything is getting progressively crappier. 
and I just want to wander into the Himalayas and chill with the snow leopard. Well, not everything, though, if you think about it. Like, so I was reading your tweet here about, you know, how you were spending, like, your whole life in JavaScript since we talked last, but... Uh, Switching over that to is not a happy tweet. I just want to put some context. I know, but there is – if you look at it, there, the, the, the thing I take away from this is Visual Studio Code. You're, that's what you're using and you're changing, you're changing habits. Um, I guess where I'm going with this is look at Canonical. Look at Microsoft and Amazon this year. Like they really – they really overall got better. They got a lot better. Just those three examples. So not everything's gone to shit, but the shit that we use to do our shit has gone to shit. See how Wait, profound that, was that like is? Shit <laughs> Hang on. Wait, <laughs> I wish I had that bong handy. Bong. What I'm saying did you, is, did you already pound like half that bottle of gin? Wait, which? So the, the, I, the shit. I, we are that we bad. are shot. What in? Well, no. That no. What I'm saying is the stuff you use to build the things is getting worse. The desktop operating system, the Chrome browser, uh, a lot of the little components that we rely upon to build our our whatever our whatever output is are getting worse. But then at the same time, some of the services that we put them on are legitimately getting they're getting better and they're improving and they're making decisions long term that are going to make them even better. And so not everything is getting horrible, but ironically, the very tools we need to take advantage of the stuff that's getting better have gotten worse. Do you follow me? The desktops are getting worse. The desktop applications are getting worse. That's what you need to build applications for the cloud. Honestly, with the exception of Windows 10, Windows 10, I think, has gotten a lot better. I'm just going to slap you with my Windows dong here because it's only Mac and Linux that are getting worse. Windows is getting progressively better. I think still long-term... Linux desktop is looking the best. I think long-term Linux desktop is looking the best. I don't know. But, I mean, if you, I mean, I for me, I know people are going to hate me on this, but for me, Linux desktop does equal some form of Ubuntu. Yes, and for, they wasted for, a lot of time with that Wayland. Like this Wayland, you mean to, you mean Unity? I mean, whatever Unity. The, well, no, it matters whole, because Wayland's going to be even worse than the transition to Unity was. I think so. Just the fact that there's like. And I get this is very anti-Linux. I mean, this is like I had a comment at the little System76 roundtable, and I got the, oh, you're a Mac guy. Like, options are bad. People don't need options. You should give me a workstation that works and that I don't need to give a shit about. Which is, to their credit, what System76 does do. But the idea that, like, I can change the window manager and that the window manager will be slightly shitty, depending on my configuration, is really bad. Yes, opinion. yeah. I I mean, if you use Ubuntu proper or elementary OS or Solus... Right, if you use one of the major ones, you're generally okay. Yeah. Right? Now, let me say this, though. Um, long term, I just... I really think that... Uh, I really do think that even after the Wayland transition, that it's... The thing is, um, my... You know me. You and I have talked about this enough. My my view is is that eventually the, the tug of the strategy tax becomes annoying enough it's just constant friction that, keep, that keeps throwing roadblocks in front of developers' workflows because Microsoft or Apple wants to do something crazy for this next year, and it just gets annoying after a while. And now that Canonical is part of the GNOME fa- uh, advisory board, and now that they're developing and working upstream with GNOME and they're shipping GNOME, you have Red Hat, SUSE, Dell, 
HP, Canonical, and those are just the ones I can name on one hand that are all working to contribute towards GNOME now. And it's there's no singular commercial interest that is driving any particular feature of GNOME other than can we build a good developer workstation? That is the true singular focus of this conglomerate. It will take forever. It's more like evolution than it is immaculate conception. So it takes longer, and we have to go through Wayland, and we have to get hardware support there, and we have to get new drivers, and all of that stuff that's going to be horrible. But I have to believe long-term, because this... This group effort is insulated from any one particular corporate failure. There's no, there's no singular strategy tax. There's no singular visionary coming along saying, we're going to build the digital hub of your future. It's kind of this collection of effort that just kind of slowly produces a very usable desktop. And I, I, in, my, in my view, that has to win out long term. It just seems impossible. It doesn't. It's like Linux. Uh, you know, you take, it might take 25 years, but eventually it's just everywhere, mm. you know. The problem with any argument that says it might take X years is that the world, you know, your enemies, your competitors, whatever. Yeah, yeah. fair don't, enough. Don't, don't like sit still and wait for you. That's fair. Right. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to harken back to two episodes ago, but if you haven't used windows since like windows xp or windows vista or even windows 7 i'd argue windows 10 is really good yeah and like if i didn't need to compile ios apps i can't honestly say that i would still be looking at this macbook pro and by the way the yeah you know we say that yeah. you know what both you and i are suffering and i think we have to acknowledge this a little bit from the grass is greener because a lot of times when you try out an OS for one or two weeks, that first two, two, three week, even sometimes a month, I know you know this, but I'm just reminding you right. that that first month or so is like, oh man, it does it this way. That is way better. Like I'll tell you, like I still am telling people uh, the way Windows 10 does window snapping when you, when you snap one window to the side and then it exposes all the other windows and then you select one and it pops in and then you get this big fatty bar like if it's designed for a tablet because it was the where you can slide both windows together and they're locked together their proportions are locked that is enough where sometimes when Windows 10 accidentally starts booting on my machine at, at home uh, you know what I just need to run Slack in a web browser that's all I need. I need Chrome or Firefox. Actually, I'm using Firefox. And, I'm using Firefox. And yeah. Slack. And um, Windows 10 does it great. And so uh, there's simple things in Windows 10 that when you see them, you're like, oh, geez, that's way better than the way we've implemented snapping on Linux. That's so much nicer. Oh, no. It's significantly better. <laughs> right. But, but, but. Um, and, and Mac doesn't have it, right? Like, like there's something like almost sort of like it but it sucks right yeah yes so, yeah yeah that yeah. is that is yeah uh but there are things that os 10 handles really simply or linux just handles because of the current oh, that we, yeah, we take me, for let granted me, let, me just, let me just give one to os 10 mac is really smart about hey you have a monitor and it, it's like i might think you know like it assumes the monitors to the right of your laptop but there's a very easy way to fix that where on Linux, that's kind of hard and annoying. And if the resolutions are different on the monitors, you get all kinds of weird things when you drag windows from one to the other, mm, yeah, aliasing. Yep. I mean, you, you've bitched about the aliasing oh, yeah. stuff in Unity and Gnome, and it's yeah. just like, yeah. on Mac, it doesn't care, right? It's like, oh, okay, well, then I will just redraw the entire window, right? Yeah, you can tell. If, I think if you listen back to this year's shows, you and I are mulling over a lot of this stuff 
probably to to an annoying degree of the audience, although except for people that have also gone through this or are going through it. Um, well, let me tell you something. I'm saving it for the next show, which is approximately 40 minutes because my year in review is going to be great it's going to be just like luke's okay <laughs> all right you know what let's let's table it because i think we've done enough of this uh, but I, I did want to add like one piece to it yeah. though if i can so i know this we were going to talk about the apple stuff but there's an interesting parallel between this all this entire os conversation that people both love and hate at the same time and what has happened to developer tool developer tools i completely agree uh, right particularly things like electron Things like React, things like um, Xamarin. I f- and maybe we should save it for the next show. It's, it's up to you. Do you want to do this or do you want to do the Apple stuff now and we'll do the this in the next show? I almost think we should because we've already gone into the Apple stuff. Plus, we have a bunch of feedback on that. Let's do the Apple stuff. We'll just, okay. And so, if, so you know, Apple, 290s. Yeah, sad realizations. Two, yeah. Perfect. So here's the thing. 289, we're, it's not this isn't going to be an Apple circle jerk, but uh, – um, oh, there's a bunch is. of new stuff. There is um, some feedback. Drop your trousers. What did you say? Drop your trousers. Oh, <laughs> oh <sorry. laughs> all right. I'm not going to apologize for it. We're, this is this is based on what we've gotten back. All right, uh, listen, it is December 22nd. The only tech company that's had any news, by the way, most of it's negative, has been Apple. I have some news. <laughs> you have news. I, have I would news. love to hear news. Um, I am. But yeah. I'd love an ad first. Oh. Oh, god damn, you're a pro. DigitalOcean.com. Go over to DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. Now you can get started with a $10 credit at DigitalOcean. You can set up a droplet in less than 55 seconds. A droplet is DigitalOcean's term for essentially a VPS machine that you get. But think of it more as portable infrastructure. You can move things around, you can upgrade things, you can transfer between accounts, you can add storage. So it's, it is a droplet because it, it's more than what you normally conceptualize in a service like this, especially when, you, when I get to the pricing. But first, whatever you deploy DigitalOcean, keep in mind it's going to have SSD storage. Everything's going to be super, super fast, and it'll be easy to attach more storage. They have monitoring and alerting where you can get metrics and performance, not only indicators, but alerts. When things are down and load balancing as a service, a fully managed service that works right out of the box to distribute incoming traffic and increase your site and applications availability. Talk about looking like a boss. Lightning fast networking, 40 gigabits into each single hypervisor. Data centers all over the world. But look at the pricing. For $5 a month, you can get started. Ah, now that's where the Coder Digital promo code makes a lot of sense because you get a $10 credit. So for $5 a month, you could run two of these things or you could for one month or you could run one for two months. <laughs> oh, look at me with the math. I did it, everybody. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code Coder Digital. But really, you want to have some fun? I mean, all of these things are crazy fast. Actually, dude, I'm not even going to – I was going to say – I was going to say go deploy one with like 200 gigs of RAM and then use a RAM disk and have some fun. But actually, go deploy the $5 a month one. And just see what Linux can do and see what you can do with DigitalOcean's infrastructure. You get 512 megs of RAM, one virtual CPU, 20 gigs of SSD, and a terabyte of transfer. Oh, 512 megs of RAM? I would never even put that in my machine. Try it. It's, it's amazing. It is incredible. When I first started DigitalOcean, all I deployed was the $5 a month droplets. Now, now my favorite is the $0.03 cents an hour. You get 2 gigs of RAM, 2 CPUs, 40 gigabyte SSD, and 3 terabytes of transfer. Develop locally and deploy globally. They have data centers all over the world. Interfaces that are 
It's perfect. It's they're per- they're perfect because if you're a pro, if you've been doing virtual machines since virtual machines were a thing on system 390s, then you're going to you're going to have no problem getting through this interface. But if you've never even set up a server, you've never even booted a server, you're going to find this interface approachable, usable, and understandable. It's 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 amazing. And I think it's actually an API client too, which God, if I don't love that and respect that, DigitalOcean.com, go over there, sign up, and then use our promo code, CoderDigital, and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. So um, I very much, uh, I, I view like when you launch a new product, when you launch something like like Alice, <clears throat> it is in a lot of ways similar, and I, I hope you don't find this to be demeaning, but I, I feel like it's in a lot of ways, it's very similar to launching a new podcast because I have, makes sense. you know, there's something to create. There's a format. You have art. You have to you have to work with a designer. You have like companies you might even interact with for the launch. And like there's this, then there's the host and then there's the, the people behind the scenes producing. And then you have backend infrastructure that you have to build to host the show. Uh, and, um, Sometimes you sometimes you you try your best, and it, you know especially around the holidays, there can sometimes just be compromises that come up that you go, oh God, I would never have if I could have avoided this, I never would have done it this way. Um, and we were really walking that line with the new TechSnap, but uh, everybody really came together, and the new infrastructure really kind of clicked into place that we've been developing for a while, and my my version my my current skills on editing have sort of evolved to another level. And it just all kind of came together. And two weeks ago, we rebooted the TechSnap program on the network. Wes and I are now the primary hosts. We'll be, we'll be talking to Dan and Alan as the show goes on. But it's a total, like, reboot. It's like a, you know, it, it's, like, it's like if you started over from a whole new code base, literally. It's, we, 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 we're building a minimum viable product right now. We're, re, we're recreating how we publish it. We've, we're redoing how we... How we how we prep for it. We're redoing how we record it. It's completely redone how we edit it. It's how the links are done. Like every single aspect is completely new. It's a totally new product. And I, I wasn't sure if we were going to get it all together and get it out. And now we've just done two weeks. And I think the second, second episode was even better than the first episode. And I was pretty proud of the first episode. So I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know what's the expression in cloud seven or whatever. I'm pretty excited right now. Cloud nine. Um, and we just did an episode on network namespaces, and I thought I should mention it here because Wes was a pretty well liked host on this show. And so, uh, if you if you miss hearing from Wes, go check out the new show. We just did an episode on network namespaces, which is something that Wes has quite a bit of experience with. It's been around for a while. BSD has an equivalent, and I just I've never really needed to use them, but. Uh, Huge for application developers. The things you can do with network namespaces on Linux, you could you could really, really, really get a lot of benefit out of this episode. If you need to simulate network connectivity, separate networks, um, you need to troubleshoot things in low bandwidth environments, anything like that, you can use network namespaces on Linux. It's all baked in. And Wes does a deep dive on the new TechSnap program, episode 349. You can go to techsnap.systems slash 349. Or just go to techsnap.systems. 348 is when we rebooted. That's that's the new format. That's the new show. And then um, 349 is sort of like, okay, here's our here's our here's our second attempt, and we're going to keep iterating at it. We're also um, we're as a you know because the the the, per, the the 
the, the podcast is a product, right? The, that's the end product is the is the is the podcast. So where this show has been retooled to um, it not embrace, but um, you know take advantage of the of the modern podcast player because uh, pretty much everybody who listens to audio podcasts is doing so through some sort of podcast app now on their phone, which wasn't the case when we launched Coda Radio or TechSnap. It's all that's all changed, and so now everybody wants all of the show notes. They want all of the links in the podcast app, which sounds obvious to say that to anybody who listens to podcasts. I understand that, but you have to. TechSnap was launched before there were podcast apps, so that wasn't a requirement because there weren't any podcast apps. And um, so, not only are we doing that now, which took a total retooling of how we do our feeds, how we how we input notes, all of that. But it all, we're also doing chapter markers with time coding and hyperlinks and changing album art to give visuals of what we're talking about while we talk about it, and um, which is, I think, what people expect now. And it's, it's so great because when you have like an hour-long show, there's like everything's broken out, every single topic. So if you hate – you know, if we could do it for this show, it would take a total retooling. But if, we, if you hated the Apple stuff, you could just skip ahead because it, everything is itemized out with a hyperlink that's relevant to like here's additional information what we're talking about um and you just have to have a podcast player that supports it and anyways i'm just super pumped because um sometimes we relaunch or sometimes we launch a new podcast and uh it's like it's like a 60% hit this while it is a minimum viable pro- minimum viable podcast it uh i think i think I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I want to I want to give it a plug here because specifically episode 349 is very valuable for people that need to do local testing and you need to test network connectivity. Even if you're doing if you're building sites, you want to isolate a browser, you want to you want to send just one application through a VPN so you can test things remotely or externally, I should say. Um, like say you want just Firefox to go out through a VPN interface and all your other stuff to go out your regular network interface. This episode addresses that. So it's techsnap.systems slash 349. So thank you for letting me go on about that. You're, you're no, general. very cool. Uh, most important question. Is there still an Alan at jupiterbroadcasting.com oh, yes. email account? Oh, yeah. Well, he's still doing okay. PSD now. So, and he's going to come so please, on the TechSnap program. So Continue to send your hate mail there, and PHP users. And the rumor has it he's going to be – because he said so. He'll be at Linux Fest Northwest. So uh, Do yeah. you know where I will never be? Linux Fest Northwest? Because it always conflicts with my son's birthday. <laughs> Gosh, you know – I, I I wish I, I I would I actually would very much like to come to Florida. So uh, I've been there once you before, don't. but I no, don't. We'll talk about it next episode. Okay. You really don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I tell you something. You better hit that bottle before two ninety. I'm just oh, letting you know. Okay. All right. So um, before we get into Eric Schmidt, I I want to get to the feedback. It came in from Pinky Puje, which um is is got to be in the top three. Uh, he says I recently threw High Sierra with. APFS 2 on one of my old 2.5 inch SSDs in my PC just to see how it would run. I used Nightmare. The, yeah. Well, I remember we, we actually, I specifically solicited this. I'm like, are people still doing Hackintoshes with High Sierra? Um, last week. He says, I used the Tony Mac tools and it boots from Refined from my Linux NVMe drive without any hackery. By the way, Refined, which is R-E-F-I-N-D, is awesome. I highly recommend it. It was fairly painless other than typical Wi-Fi sound video issues. I took It took a couple of configuration attempts in MultiBeast. Uh, MultiBeast is a Hackintosh-like um, 
respin, I guess you could say. And it took a, a bit of tinkering with boot flags and bio settings. Yeah, okay. So this is essentially my experience. If you get uh, compatible Intel hardware and you you set the right bio settings, like turn off some legacy stuff, it's essentially make everything be modern. Uh, uh, you That's what you had to do to get Hackintoshes to work a, wh- a while ago. Refind, R-E-F-I-N-D. I want to mention that again because that is also a tool you can use just to dual boot Linux and Mac OS or triple boot Linux, Mac OS, and Windows on a MacBook Pro or a whatever. Um, this is a great, great tool. This is one that I use on my MacBook 2013, uh, late 2013 edition, um, where I dual boot Mac OS 10 and Arch. And I don't know why. Maybe it's the it's the bootloader built into the uh, UFEI the or whatever Mac calls it Open Firmware or whatever they call it. Um, but I I updated that uh, that old two, 2013 MacBook Pro to High Sierra and I can still boot into Arch with no problem. So uh, Refind is big big double down endorsement by both uh, Pinky Pooja and me. Uh, he says he's even running optical audio, which is amazing. So he's got, you know, a, a fiber optical audio. And macOS recognizes his UPS and auto shuts down out of the box. No stupid, crappy cyber power driver required like on Windows or Linux. Wi-Fi doesn't work. It's an Atheros chipset, if I remember correctly. So I don't use Wi-Fi. He's doing this again on a desktop. A, a GTX uh, 1070 video card, an i770 uh, Kaby Lake CPU. It's a... Uh, Asus ROG Z270 Mini ITX board. So if you want to do this, you get the Asus ROG 270 Mini ITX, and it would supposedly work. Uh, he says, also, I was surprised that NVIDIA provided good up-to-date drivers for Mac OS for some of their recent cards, probably because external GPUs are now a thing, and they want to cash in on what the new Mac- on new MacBook Pros. Yeah, he's no. <laughs> I don't think Pinky Poo. I don't think it's the eGPU market on MacBooks. <laughs> no, I don't, that can't be. That can't be more than what fifty thousand, hundred thousand units a year. I doubt that's why Nvidia is doing it. It's because the new modular MacBook Pro or the new modular Mac Pro is going to have Nvidia cards. Mark my words. Early twenty eighteen prediction, right there. It's going to be in the modular Mac Pro. And, yeah, and that, you know that, what? You that know seems what? Seems pretty obvious, right? If Apple wants to be serious in VR yeah. and AR, they're gonna they're gonna need Nvidia. Exactly. Like. Exactly. Exactly. And um, Nvidia even hired a, a full time Mac OS driver developer. Um, and I don't think they would do that unless there was going to be an incoming revenue stream. But overall, he says uh, if you have a compelling reason to use Mac OS and there aren't any Macs that you like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might as well try it. Pros have been clamoring for a couple of years for an updated Mac Pro. And, you know, I agree. Uh, that is better than I that I expected with High Sierra. It just wasn't going to happen. So I agree. If it's still doable, why not give it a shot? Um, I don't know. Honestly, in 2017, 2018, for video production, if it's worth it. But if you need to run Xcode, it might just be worth it. Let us know. This is an area where we get a lot of questions that Mike and I don't have firsthand experience with anymore. I used to run several Hackintoshes, uh, and it sounds like it's pretty similar to how it used to be. He didn't touch on updates, OS updates, but um, let us know. Before we move on, uh, Mr. Dominic, uh, and get it, let's just take a break from all the Apple shit for a second. What do you think? You, want, you good with that? And uh, let's talk Google. Let's talk your favorite Googler, Eric Schmidt. Eric Schmidt. I love him. He's stepping. Eric Schmidt is stepping down as an executive chair. Hold on a second. Can I? Let's do a thought experiment. You ready? Let's do a little thought experiment, uh, just to see how you interpret this. Oh. Breaking news here: uh, Eric Schmidt stepping down as the chairman of Alphabet. 
What is the first thought that comes to your mind? He's going to run for president. Oh, God, that was not my first thought. My first thought was that he touched somebody. Oh, of course he did. Yeah, he seems really creepy. But uh, he's he's going to transition to an, um, a technical advisor role. <laughs> Eric Schmidt, a technical advisor. <laughs> you know, okay, I, I wasn't going to make fun of Eric Schmidt until I read that. Eric Schmidt is a bureaucrat. Eric Schmidt runs Alphabet for one singular reason. He has... he's a G-man. He has the best contacts with the government until recently. Now that a conservative government is in power, he is losing his influence. And that's what it comes down yep. to, is he doesn't have influence without Hillary in the office. <laughs> I like that he's going to be a technical well, advisor. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories. No, that's so not I a conspiracy but... theory. That is that is in the CNBC article. That's not a conspiracy theory. I mean, that is legitimately what's going on, is he doesn't one, one have the cachet that he... so far to one side is that the other side hates you, right? Right. That's exactly what the problem is, is he's hated in D.C. Because he was a Hillary shill, uh, and now that's um, that's not hip. And uh, Trump's in power, and uh, he's passing tax bills, and Eric Schmidt is a liability for for Alphabet. And so they're going to put somebody else in there, but I wonder who. And if they take, say, one of the two Google founders, Larry Page, I don't know who, then that's one less insulating factor at Google. Wait a minute. If only there were a technically savvy Republican that was available... Hmm. Well, that guy would be happy about the uh, tax bill because Apple is – you remember how we've always heard about Apple bringing in a whole bunch of their monies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess the new tax bill is going to allow them to bring back $252.3 billion foreign dollars. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Allow them? Without a major tax hit. I was going to say, that's a cute way to phrase that. Well, yeah, that's Reuters for you, or Reuters. Um, Yeah, the new, the tax overhaul passed by Congress this week will allow Apple to bring back 252.3 billion foreign cash piled dollars without a major tax hit, which is a long-standing goal of theirs. (laughs) I bet that's... They will use that for shareholder dividends and buybacks. Yeah, yeah, I bet Tim Cook's going to get a nice bony from that. Um, All right, so uh, let's just get through, there's just a couple of Apple stories, because we've been sort of delaying this we've been delaying the inevitable um and i feel like we just need to get through them there's there is a huge rumor that i think is very germane to this show and then there is a huge controversy which uh i'm not sure how we're going to feel about this so let's take a moment and cleanse the palate and thank linux academy for sponsoring the coder radio program linuxacademy.com slash coders go there to get a seven day free trial to the linux academy platform Linux Academy is a full-featured training library with everything you need to learn new skills and advance your career. If you're looking for a job, you've got one, or you need new clients, this is a great resource. Self-paced, in-depth video courses on every Linux cloud and DevOps topic, including AWS, Azure, and OpenStack, with hands-on scenario-based labs that give you experience on real servers so you have the confidence not only for the test, but also... For production, which I don't know how you put a value on that, really, to be honest with you. And if you ever get stuck, they have humans that can help you, real-time, full-time instructors that are there to help their, their help help the pupils. And they're constantly adding new courseware, new practice, new practice exams, new certification training, new flashcards. And the flashcards are really cool because it's kind of like an open-source initiative, really, because the community is forking them, adding new study material. 
They have uh, goals of completion and uh, like certifications that get posted on your public profile. You can link that to an employer or a potential client or just use it for yourself to just keep track of the accomplishments. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. You can also grab the downloadable comprehensive study guides, lesson audio, and the uh, look, uh, the little toolkits that you can use either on your iOS or Android app or phone thingy, whatever you use, I don't care, to do your testing while you're going. Try a practice exam. You got some commute time? Take a practice exam. Learn about Ruby. That's such a cool feature. And they're adding new stuff all the time. And the courseware will spin up a virtual server when you need it. It's really simple to SSH into it. You get... The full experience, you can go to linuxacademy.com slash coders to log in, create an account, try out a seven-day trial, and just take a look around. See if there's something you want to learn. Maybe you can get uh, something under your belt in that seven days. That'd be pretty cool. linuxacademy.com slash coders. linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. So every single outlet this week is reporting... <laughs> Ryan Sipes. You know what? Did we say Ryan's name three times? We just did. We did, yeah. Hey, Ryan Sipes in the Discord. Well, Ryan, stick around. We're doing two shows. Um, So uh, Apple has a big rumor this week, and every news outlet is reporting on it. I believe it started with uh, your good buddy Mark Gurman over at Bloomberg, and uh, now now everywhere has a report, including the uh, folks at ours, which uh, essentially says that Apple has a skunkworks project, much like they did with the Intel stuff. So all these things always get immediate traction because, well, one time the rumors were true that Apple had a Skunk Works Intel project for Mac OS. So therefore, every one other time rumor at Bandcap, yeah, they bought some Pentium fours. Yeah, so therefore, every other rumor about Apple having Skunk Works project must be true. But this one, oh god, this one is true. Yeah, probably. So the thing, the thing here is, is that it just seems like obvious that they would be building universal apps for iOS and macOS. The internal Apple project is codenamed Marzipan. Uh, it's not yet a done deal, but it essentially would unify macOS and iOS. And the speculation is is wide. Everywhere from a totally new OS for Macs that is based on iOS, sort of like how they build um, Apple TV or Apple uh, TVOS or whatever, watchOS. Then there would be macOS, but it would be based on iOS, just like uh, Apple, oh, like tvOS and uh, watchOS. Um, or it's going to be some sort of universal platform where there's a runtime. I mean, there's the, 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 the speculation is running crazy. It would seem to make sense that at some point they have to unify these two platforms. You can look at uh, some of the applications that are available for the Mac, and they're kind of like watered-down, obvious ports of iOS. Uh, photos, <laughs> maps, <laughs> Context. Oh, uh, and it's an obvious derivative of the messages. Island. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. Anyways, what do you think of this idea? And do you think it would be the worst thing that ever happens ever? Are you muted over there? I mean, come on. Ryan's watching. No, I'm just me. crying to myself. Don't um, embarrass me in front of Ryan. That'd be really bad. I mean, geez. So. Is it the worst thing that's ever happened? No, they upgraded Snow Leopard to something crappy called Lion. If you're watching, by the way, if you're watching the video version of this show, um, the screenshot they have here of Mac OS, geez, if that doesn't look like GNOME 3. Holy shit, that, if they got the dark theme with a, that is what my, that is verbatim what yeah. my GNOME 3 desktop, except for an yeah. Apple logo up there in the middle. Wow. Yeah. And pretty, um, pretty close to what Unity 7 looks like, too, actually. 
This is uh, this this I feel like is inevitable. This um, the Mac has sucked since the iPhone became a hit. It really has. And the applications. Remember when iLife and iWorks were like a yearly thing? That's <laughs> gone, gone, just totally gone. Uh, if it doesn't, if it doesn't help iCloud, if it doesn't help integration with the iPhone, and and by the way, God couldn't help iCloud at this point. Like you, you, you really do you want to get into iCloud? Really? Because I, I, no, I hate iCloud. That's what I'm saying. What's the like, matter with you? Divine. What do you mean? It doesn't work ever. Like what? Basic syncing doesn't work. I feel like I feel like we got to stay on point because that you're wrong. And when I, I go to the iCloud, I'm. Hang on, my my manchild servant is bringing me coffee. We all have to wait. <laughs> oh my god! All right, oh, I'll finish off this bottle so, of gin. Where can, where can you buy those Princess Leia bikinis again? No, I'm kidding. Oh, oh I bet you could find them on Amazon, my friend. I'm sure you can. The Jeff Bezos collection. (laughs) (laughs) No, but all right. So this makes a lot of sense to me because Mac apps have effectively been coming kind of. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. If you hate, if, okay, if you hate electron apps, then this is not quite as bad. No, they're native. Go ahead. They're native, right? I mean, they run native apps. They, they, they build down to. They're technically native. Um, I think that, this makes a lot of sense as the only person on the air today who has actually done Mac and iOS development quite separately from each other. I can tell you that the AppKit framework is a gigantic pain in the ass compared to uh, Cocoa Touch or rather UIKit. And I, especially when dealing with like table views, when working in AppKit, I have longed wished for UIKit. Yeah, I, I can understand so. that. I totally can understand that. But my uh, my my response to that is show me Photoshop or Final Cut or Logic on iOS. Yeah, but Photoshop and Final Cut, Final Cut, not Final Cut, are <laughs> that's <still> something else. <laughs> very different, but equally fun. That's what they need those new Nvidia chips for. Um, are partially still in carbon, aren't they? Like yeah, yeah. C plus, like they're they're not even like really. They're certainly not Swift. But that's but actually even... that's actually my point, Mike. Is um, I think that's what it takes to have like a a multi million or billion dollar company invest more than six months into something. Is you gotta have you gotta have runway that is five, six, seven, ten, maybe even twenty years. I don't understand that. Well, so, so... The, the value of the Mac and the value of Windows is that applications that Adobe spent millions of dollars on. 15 years ago are still runnable and relevant and not completely unusable. Yeah, what's wrong with that though? You you reboot and you base it on iOS and you start shipping uh, uh okay. The thing so is, is that, I, that iOS apps yeah. can't do the same things that Mac uh, Mac apps All have right. access to the file system. Mac apps can talk to my microphone without requesting it. Mac applications can just abuse my GPU in a way that gets the job done. Uh, iOS devices don't have that option. Your GPU was asking for it. An iOS device can't even play two sound files at the same time. It can't even play two audio files at the same time. You can't. You can't. What? Which is really stupid. Yeah, I mean, my point is though, is the value of the Mac is that it is not iOS, and the value of Windows is that it is not Android. There is. You're 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 reading a lot into this. So 
there's a couple things they could be doing, right? They could be doing exactly what you say, and and I think the evidence well, actually it's, supports it's, what you're saying. It's Bloomberg, it's German, it's a bunch of yeah, yeah, right. Where it's um, you know, because uh, well, with the sandboxing right on Mac, sandboxing really doesn't need to exist on Mac. Like at this no, point, it's been Mac, a huge failure for the Mac App Store. Right, but I, I just don't think that's right. Right, Macs are basically prof- professional production tools at this point. I I don't. I just don't exactly. think you need that level of plant holding. Exactly. But, and the thing is, which is really quick to interject, but if you think about it, it's already typically safer than a Windows machine. So you have an engineer, you have somebody who's creating something on a Mac, they're almost better off than they would be on a Windows system. You just, on a Mac, you just don't need the level of protection that you need on a phone, is my personal opinion. All right, continue on. Yeah, mine too. So, so it is, I would even say likely that what you're saying is true, that they're going to bring it over both in in APIs and policy over to the iOS sort of way, the UIK, Cocoa Touch sort of way. But there's a hope, um, and, and as a former Mac developer, I would really have this hope, that they're just doing, there was a project called uh, Chameleon, which basically did this. It wrapped AppKit uh, APIs and frameworks in UIKit-like wrappers. So the idea was you would get a simpler, like, you know, UI table view, table view delegate, data source kind of pattern, that's the specific thing for table views and generating cells, but actually get an NS table view, right? Like an app kit table view. If they're just doing that, that would actually be phenomenal. That would give you an easier interface, a more modern interface to work with when developing OS 10 applications. I agree with you that they can't help themselves, but lock shit down and they will probably do exactly what you described. But even if they did, it still may be, one, if they do that, I bet you they're going to say you must use this tool or these permission structures when writing uh, macOS apps in the App Store. So if you care about the App Store, you're probably host anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay. Well, just, let me just finish. Oh, yeah. But the advantages of these simplified and modernized API points and framework structures are probably still worth it to make those compromises with Apple if you're serious about uh, Mac OS development. Because the one thing about the Mac market, um, and, and let's exclude mobile from here, but in terms of workstations, is professional Mac users you know, tend to keep, to keep within one or two major versions, right, or minor versions, rather. It's, it's pretty rare for someone to, like, not upgrade their Mac. So eventually you will be pulled forward as a, as a developer, right, as an app publisher. Okay. Okay, so what you're saying is that because of the regularity of the customer base upgrading, developers will quickly adapt and the applications will will become become built around the new whatever whatever the new APIs are in the new OS is fairly yeah. quickly. Yeah, I mean it's a little less rosy than that because the other reality is like shitty iOS developers who are like over whatever you know wherever like China or whatever and are developing like shovelware fake iOS apps for the App Store are also now going to develop shovelware fake apps yeah, for Mac OS. You know, actually though, if you think about it, the Apple of today that would make this transition is a completely and totally different beast than the Apple that made the transition from PowerPC to Intel or from Classic to Mac OS X. So what I mean by that is just by their sheer fucking size and money reserves, 
they are one of the most important companies in the world. And so when Sweet, beautiful money. Sorry, keep going. Well, I just when you go to Adobe and you say, hey, um, what do you need to make a successful product on our platform if we make this transition? And Adobe says, well, we're going to need this, this, this and this. Apple says, all right, we'll have we'll have uh, everybody on point for that. We're going to go here in five years. Can you build for that? Yeah. That's see, a, that's a, well, hold on. That's a much different Apple today. When Tim Cook's sitting across that table with $200 billion, come, $200, $200 billion is about to come into the United States for Apple. And that, by the way, is just like the shit they have in their cushion. And, and he's sitting yeah, across the table. Would... That's a totally different conversation than when Steve Jobs was sitting across the table with the power PC architecture and Flash reigning total supreme. Like they're in a totally different position now to get the I Microsofts will... and the Adobe's of the world to embrace the new Mac OS. I agree with you, but there there's a couple things I think you're overlooking that are super important. All right. Uh, the first one is Apple's not going to roll out whatever. Let's call it Unity Kit, right? For lack of a better name. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, let's let's call it that. <laughs> let's let's overload Unity even more. Um, they're not going to put a gun to everybody's head and say you have to use Unity. They didn't even do that with Swift yet, right? And you know why? Because it doesn't make sense. It only would hurt them. The other thing is, uh, and I think you uh, Linux guys in particular make this mistake a lot, a Mac really is just a, a dolled-up BSD machine in, in a lot of ways. Like, it really is. One of the beauties of Mac development is you actually have that BSD underpinning where you can do things like write your entire engine or your entire uh, you know, data processing library part of your application in just straight up C++, right? Basically standard NCC, and go from there. They're not, I mean, I could be wrong, and I would be shocked and appalled if this was true, but they're not going to make Mac developers give that up. Because how could they? I mean, You're right. let's, let's look at yeah. Photoshop. Large portions of the Photoshop suite are built in C++ and C it, because they do yeah. crazy graphics processing. No one's going to write that shit in Swift. It would like, be the murder just, of the platform. It would. It, you're, yeah, right, so you're right. You're right. You're right. And this is going to go into – and we're getting close to time for 290. But when you think about the Mac, you have to think about and, – and I think it's a healthier way to think about it – a completely proprietary controlled distro of BSD. Because <laughs> – no, no, really, because once you look at it from that perspective and you remember that you have BSD under the hood, a lot of things that seem hard are really easy. And one of the funny things I found, like particularly with like Docker and stuff like that, is there are Mac ways to do things. But like most things that work on BSD work on Mac, like mm. with no modification whatsoever. Huh. So if you want to run a Mac machine like it is a BSD box – you can basically do that, and you get the pretty UI, and you get the graphics drivers, and you can watch, you know, uh, tif, 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 so many of them, Chris, so many loves in my heart. I just jumbled Taylor Swift and Tiffany Albert into one being. It's like Galadriel in a lot of ways. Uh, Taylor Swift's newest video, Gorgeous, at the uh, Jingle Ball concert in New York on YouTube. You can certainly do that. Okay, okay good to know. <laughs> yes. All right. Glad good. I got that in there. Woo! All right, Mr. Dominic. Well, on that high note, is there anywhere you want to send people, uh, you know, if they want more mic in their life, maybe they want to figure out what Alice can do for them? I mean, give give people some links. What the hell, man? Yeah, please send your donations to uh, the St. Jude's Children's Hospital. It's Christmas. This is my oh, good deed. Oh, jeez. You, you, you're better than me. You know what? That's good. That was, that was, that was, you're right. You know what? I'm just going to leave it at that, too. Very good. Very good. Go there. And you know what else I'll say is have a great damn holiday. 
whatever you celebrate, just have a good one. And uh, hope you hope you got something out of 2017 that's useful. Let's get back here together. We'll do one more of these things, and then let's let's hang out in 2018. And then we'll make 2018 just kick ass. I don't know how we're going to do it yet. Maybe you can participate in the Discord. Go to discord.me slash jupitercolony. Hang out there. Lifetimes, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And send us your emails, your thoughts, and what we should do in 2018. jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of the Code Radio Program. And we'll see you right back here in about 10 seconds. Nah, really next week. I was just kidding.